they're building depth at receiver and guys they can shuttle in and out, but it still comes down to they've got Pickens over there. Yeah. He's just so good. If he's one-on-one with almost any team, other than if they're playing an All-American or All-SEC cornerback, you've either got an advantage throwing to Pickens or the other team has to put another guy on him, which opens something else up. So Pickens, in a lot of ways, is the most important player on this team still. What's up, Georgia Bulldogs fans? The time for the 2020 season kickoff, albeit delayed by a few weeks, is set to take place in a week or less, depending on when you're listening to this episode. The Dogs will travel to Fayetteville, Arkansas to face off against former O-line coach Sam Pittman. And when they do, they will be wearing those beautiful throwback white tops and red pants that were released on social media on Thursday. I'm not sure if I'm more excited about the game itself or seeing those uniforms on television. Basically, I can't wait. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 240 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joined today, as usual, by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, but we have an additional guest. Hopefully, you listened to episode 239 with Seth Emerson as we talked to him about his new book, Attack the Day, Kirby Smart, and Georgia's Return to Glory. Well, we kept him around to give us some insight into the Georgia football team for this 2020 season preview episode. It's a long one, and as an editor, I feel it's my duty to give you a little bit of a heads up. We lost Will's microphone shortly after we began, so you'll hear him for the majority of the show recording from his iPhone. To say this was the most challenging edit I've ever done for this podcast would be an understatement. But anyway, I hope you enjoy it. We've got some great content for you, and here's Will and Tony to kick it off. Hey, guys. We have a football season to talk about. There's an actual football season. I'll have you know, by the way, I feel like I have been too. Oh, Seth Emerson's still here, by drink. the way. Drink. Everybody drink. <laughs> here. They didn't let me go. Uh, but I will say that um, I feel like I have been too skeptical. Skeptical is the wrong word, but too, are we really going to do this? Are we really, is there really going to be a season? And I feel like, I hope I've not brought the show down because you guys have been, I think, more up on this than me. I've been, I've had. I've had my concerns, but dagnabbit, like they're going to play. And so I wore my starter jacket tonight. I wore my Georgia starter jacket to let everybody know that I'm in this. Is it, is it because I'm finally excited? I'm excited to finally see Luke Ford get to play? Free yes. Luke Ford. I'm going to see free uh, Luke Ford get to play because uh, the Big Ten, uh, uh, because they finally feel like it's safe. Yeah, it is safe. Um, yeah. Totally they, safe. Uh, there were a safe. lot of medical advancements over the last five yeah, weeks. Yeah, it's true. The last totally. five weeks yeah. have been unreal. I'll put it this way. The one Big Ten school that actually had a daily testing plan in place uh-huh. seven weeks ago yeah. voted against them coming back. Yeah. <laughs> that is Illinois, of course, because yeah. they, the, they have the the great thing. But whatever, I am I am happy. I don't know if it, a, if it will age well, but I am happy to be able to watch Illinois football, which means I'm happy to and, – and I feel like the Big Ten coming back and now the Pac-12 starting to sniff around, starting yeah. to be a – wow, suddenly in Oregon and California, we're a little closer to being able to maybe practice on the day that the Big Ten announced this is that they're coming back. Um, the, it feels, I will say – no matter what, if Georgia would have won that, wins the national championship this year, we all get to celebrate and all get to have the, uh, the watch the sun go up on Bourbon Street, as the, uh, as the old line goes. However, I think it's hard to argue that it doesn't feel a little bit more real and legitimate for whatever happens this year. If, like, you know, now there's a big tent, we'll see what happens with the Pac-12. But 
to me, the interesting thing about the Big Ten is they are making sure to coincide it to where their season ends when the big when the SEC ends. And and uh, now, to be fair, uh, if I may un- unleash my inner Christ, uh, Christine Brennan, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm not. I'm, oh, not gonna, wait, I'm just kidding. Oh, I am not a Medill person. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I think this is. Uh, we can argue whether or not is a good thing or a bad thing for college football to come back. But as we've kind of all talked about, and Seth, eventually I'm going to let you talk. Uh, the it's your show. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's his. It's, it's it's Scott's show. Not so much. Uh, but I would say Scott's that show. Uh, it's Tony's show. It's not my show. <laughs> I would say the idea that it is not that things got safer that the Big Ten is coming back. It is not that the president got involved that the Big Ten is coming back. The reason the Big Clay Ten... Clay Travis, is, wasn't it? it was, it's always Clay Travis. Uh, the reason the Big Ten is coming... I don't know who that is. <laughs> the, it, yes. You're better for it. Okay. Yes, he's, <laughs> uh, it is because the SEC and ACC and Big 12 didn't back off the way right. the Big Ten thought they were going to. And... They've actually just been playing like they're playing like they're actually playing actual games. We can argue whether how wise that is. I still find I have not stopped uh, uh, laughing is the wrong word, but being uh, disoriented by that Georgia Southern tweet that came out right before the game. We're like, hey, in alphabetical order for no reason whatsoever. These guys guys are not going to be playing today. And uh, And it took four tweets and they almost lost to Campbell, by the way. But like Something about that that still strikes me is maybe a little not so great uh, in a macro sense, but I'm going to embrace this. Like, there is football happening. There are going to be games. I am not going to be the person sitting on the sideline being like, this should not be happening. Life is really hard for everyone right now. If you're going to tell me that college football is coming back and we're going to have something resembling an actual season, I am not going to uh, look the proverbial gift horse in the proverbial gift mouth. I am full on embracing it and have been for some time. Um, I'm with you, Will. I mean, the the debate whether or not it should or shouldn't is at least at this point over. Um, I don't know if it's settled, and but it's, it's settled. over. I said it's over. But um, so, which leaves us with uh, two things that we have to settle tonight, and we have to get right. First off, we have to talk about the Georgia 2020 Georgia football team, and now we have four major conferences and some teams to talk about, right? Because in a week, or I guess in 10 days, the University of Georgia is going to travel to Fayetteville, Arkansas at 4.30 in the afternoon Eastern time, which is God's time. They're going to kick a football off, right? Yeah, you're from Illinois. I don't hear it. Central time says so, the best time zone. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's I can't. Really not I can't argue with that. And no, I lived there. It was. It was central time zone's the best. Time it was zone. just. Per, I mean, I'm not saying the central time zone, uh, the area <laughs> in the central is the no, best. No, Will's but right. But the time zone is Will's truly right. Wonderful. It is the time zone is perfect anyway, because sorry. you. The news comes on at 10. You can go to bed and still see the news. No, it's not well, you shouldn't do that now. But You can watch a baseball game and be in bed by like 9. Right. Even the West Coast games are done at a reasonable time. So, um, well, that's that's all the conversation time we have to talk about. Will and Will yeah, and Tony talk about Central Also, Council. Seth's here. Hi, Seth. Thanks for the Seth, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> uh, everybody, by the way, if you think our favorite parlor game is to drink when we mention Seth, we brought him for a whole podcast or for, two. For what it's worth, by the way, uh, now that we – I know this is not the official book promotion uh, podcast that we're doing. However, you should buy Attack the Day, Kirby Smart, and George's Return to Glory, Seth Emerson, where books are sold everywhere. Anytime I appear anywhere now is the Attack the Day promotion. <laughs> of course. Like, including on 
on the uh, the Zoom calls at Georgia, like interviews, like, "Hey, this is a Seth Emerson uh, with the Athletic, author of yeah. Attack the Tank." <laughs> of course, yeah. By the way, Scott's staring at a shot sheet, and it's like, I don't even understand how we went off this fast. <laughs> no, I was just going to set up kind of what the listeners can expect for this show. I think what we're going to do is we're going to gloss over, not not go into too much depth on just the SEC, the teams that Georgia is going to be competing against, and most of the teams they're going to be playing. Maybe we can kind of give a prediction of order of finish uh, for those said teams. and then Leaving Georgia out of it. Sure, that's fine. Uh, We all know where we're going to have Georgia placed, but that's fine. Um, And then what we can do is uh, I've got a couple questions for Seth on some recent happenings uh, on the Georgia football team front, you know, with according to like depth charts, quarterback stuff, things like that. Then let's do the Georgia preview show, Mm -hmm. and then we'll do the silly stuff where we have trivia, we have fun office pools, predictions, and, you know, things like maybe some uniform talk. I want to like one thing clear before we get going. Uh, I do not want the fact that Seth is here and his like actual facts and information to get into the way of get in the way of our usual just bullshit <laughs> guessing games that we're doing on this podcast I on a regular the, basis. I think that I, I like yeah. to see it. I mean, yeah, I, I think the technical term you're looking for is bullshit. Yes. So if you if if we've said something that you're like, there's no way that's true. You just sit over there in your socially distanced corner and be quiet. I have a phone to look at. I, I can. I <laughs> He's can been check tweeting Twitter. constantly. I haven't been tweeting. I, I tweeted. I tweeted once. I tweeted I, the UGA Stegman I'm thing. I retweeted you. Yeah, we, <laughs> we've been we've yeah. been tweeting. Will. I've, I've not been tweeting. No, we I've, I've we as a collective. To, I've been trying to pull back on on the Twitter. Yeah. Like you know, it's good especially, for the especially during. Good for the soul. COVID and everything. Yeah, There's just no soul. winning there. So. No, no. Yeah, so, so Georgia I, football guys. SEC, no, no, no. SEC. SEC football, SEC football guys. SEC football. Yeah. Uh, I think let's start with the West, uh, yeah, just so we can fly, kind of fly uh, through that a little bit. Uh, it's weird because you know it feels like every year you just be like, oh, it's Alabama, it's Alabama, it's Alabama. It's Alabama. Alabama. Um, and it feels actually you can. I actually, I have to say, I feel like they should maybe even be a bigger favorite than they were last year because LSU has lost so much. Yeah, I, I think people that want to say LSU is still there, I, I, I mean, LSU is still going to be a talented football team. I, it's hard to say what the loss of Joe Brady is going to mean to them. Or for that matter, um, whoever the defensive coordinator was, that guy. Um, Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda, who is now the head coach at Baylor. Yep. And uh, we now have the Bo Pelini experience, too, at LSU. Um uh, you know, I, I got to be honest. I, I'm with you, Will. It's 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 hard to pick against Alabama in any given year, uh, especially a year where depth and talent uh, are going to probably win out over anything else. I mean, we I think all of us predicted. Please don't go back and listen to the show. All of us predicted Alabama last year um, it, because it was impossible to say. Joe Burrow was going to become Joe Burrow. Yeah. And uh, who looked awesome in week one of the NFL? He did. That first touchdown run. Yeah. Yeah. It's Joe Burrow. It is very weird to think that, like, he's just become Joe Burrow. Like, it's like, like, I know that, like, he had the right situation with LSU last year, but clearly, like, you saw him in week one. You're like, oh, this is, like, going to be a star quarterback in the NFL someday. Yeah. By the way, I have a, I have a bone to pick with everybody that's like, Justin Fields, UGA. It's like, why does no one ever talk about Joe Burrow? This is the one that got away from Ohio State. Oh, I know why. Where they've won championships. I've stolen some of your tweets ideas on those. Oh, I'm like, yeah. I, I did it. I would last say year. them st- so much as stolen as pre-written. The, the um, only like I, I will say hasn't Justin Fields' star risen over the last few months, like or over the last few weeks, like him really pushing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. he could. You mean, he could have like packed it in. Right. His key yeah, rate. Right, right. Yeah. He could have oh, packed yeah. it in like 
Some people, yeah. Jamie Newman, yeah. um, and yeah, we'll get, been I, like I would a like to talk first about or that. second round. Oh yeah, you know, we need those you know, conversations for the first or second pick in the draft. But Justin Fields was like leading the charge to to play, and he's going to play. Yeah, we I, think. But we yeah, he could pull, he could pull out now, and that would be yeah. interesting. Yeah. So is the reason why you brought up Bama and then LSU? That's kind of the way you're thinking of the order of finish for the West, or I, I, mean, I think I, I had to pick Bama one. Um, I think it's an open question whether A and M is the better team than LSU this year. Um, I, you know, looking at what FSU has become, uh, it is, it's not hard to see what the downside of, uh, Jimbo Fisher giving up is. Um, I don't think, I mean, but you also look at what they did in his third, fourth and fifth year at FSU. Mm. Um, yeah, that's th- a good point. This is the time if, if it's if either, it's now or it. never. He's got Kellen Mond he's, back. He's got, Mond he's got back. James Coley. He's got Coley <laughs> there as his offensive coordinator. Uh, but the difference between Coley at Georgia and the Coley at A&M is he has Kellen Mond as his quarterback, right? He also probably doesn't have a he, – he also probably doesn't have a head coach in his ear like we can't get the quarterback hurt. Um, Seth might be able to talk to that some. But um, I, I just – I mean, for me, I'm picking A&M as the second in the in the West. But we'll, we'll get the official predictions, but I was just kind of asking because yeah. you – How much is LSU helped by in Ed Orgeron's thinking the herd immunity – and the fact that uh, they've all had COVID at this point, whereas other teams are going to be losing players to COVID throughout the season. Certainly herd mentality, I think is the actual term. Okay. Yeah. I, need to, I feel obliged to correct you. The correct term is herd, men, herd mentality. Uh, that's what all the scholars are saying. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it is, it, uh, it is weird to think that Orgeron basically had, like, the perfect year last year. But I really feel like he's been <laughs> but, stepping in But the thing lot. is, what if he's right? Yeah. <laughs> what, what if? Well, this was the that's idea, That's the right? thing. We don't know. He might be right. It's I wrote about this. Uh, Clemson might. I wrote about this, like, four Clemson or five Clemson already ago. is going to win the ACC. But what if they're, you know, what this if they got the all these cases? This is the terrifying thing is what all of those people, when when you would report it or anyone would report it in a tweet in, like, when spring, when spring practice would happen, they'd or when whenever practice happened, there would be like, oh, well, these guys reported all these COVID cases. The number of idiots that would respond be like, good, they got it out of the way before the season could start. I mean, that doesn't actually seem entirely different than what a lot of coaches actually are putting together here, actually. I, I hate to be the one to answer Seth's question cogently. Um, I think, it wasn't meant that way. Well, okay. So either way, I, sorry. I just I know up, you have me here as the straight man, but that's <laughs> not what I do. I looked up. Uh, I looked up cogent just now, so I get to use it. Um, I, I think that goes back to my original statement. It's like you got to go with the teams with depth, uh, and certainly LSU has it. Um, and but that also is why I'm more than willing to pick Alabama to win the West because they. I mean, they have hot yeah. and cold running players. Well, and and to marry these two points, like seriously and. Um, like, uh, who was it tonight or Wednesday night? Um, uh, Jordan Davis talked about it during interviews, like about depth and how necessary that will be this year. Kirby talked about it Tuesday night. Like they are openly talking about this year will be important for depth. Not just, we kind of, there's kind of like some black humor about getting COVID, but like the contact tracing and quarantining is part of that. Like, you Somebody, don't want to lose all five of your lo- right. long snappers. You, you, yeah, <laughs> when, like, Missouri right now has 12 players out for the Alabama game, their opener. That doesn't but, seem fair. <laughs> but they might, that number might come down yeah. if, like, they, if, if certain players that are in quarantine right now test out of it at a certain point. But it could go up. 
but it, it's you're going to hear such and such players are out, but it's not going to be because they have COVID necessarily. Well, this is, I mean, this is actually one of the interesting contrasts between the SEC and the Big Ten. I know we're we're doing a preview, but like the Big Ten has come out with this rule that says if I think it's what five to seven five percent of the team five percent of the team yeah if five percent of the team tests positive which is four and a half if, if yeah. you're talking about eighty five players and they will they won't play yeah. clearly that's not actually been the way that college football has run so far <laughs> to say the very least. And so, uh, and listen, that doesn't mean that everybody at Georgia Southern had COVID. As Seth points out, there's a contact tracing idea. It doesn't mean all the long snappers at Austin P had COVID. Some of those guys were injured. Yeah, like, right, yeah. You know. like, there's, there's no yeah. Expl- yeah, they don't have to give the explanation for it because there's, there's no union. Um, but more to the point, like, that, it, it still feels very weird to me to think of COVID as a, well, you just got to have enough guys to feel the team as opposed to, wait, no, there could be an actual outbreak of things. And to me, I don't want to bring down this rabbit hole. The thing that changes sports, though, is if someone gets it from the other team. Like, that's something that we've not actually seen in any sport yet. Yeah, We've not actually seen that in any sport across the board. And that, I feel, is what changes it. If someone... It certainly makes people look different. Look at differently. Look at it as because right now we're looking at it as a if you lose enough guys, uh, can you not feel the team afterwards? Yeah. And if some if that's what we've not seen yet, and maybe we won't see it, and that would be great. But yes, okay, back to the SEC West. Sorry. Well, I mean, who, what do you think of the Mississippi schools? I mean, we got two fun coaches oh, joining wow. the ranks. I can't. I, I mean, I'd love your thought on that. Coaching <laughs> in the SEC. It's just, I mean, look, we we know what's going to happen at Mississippi State. Uh, they're going to be not great this year. They're going to look better next year. There's going to come a year three or four where Leach is going to sneak up on one of the big teams in the West because that's what Leach does. He's going to say something stupid. He's going to put a player in a closet, and he's going to he's going to go coach somewhere else in eight years. <laughs> I mean, that's just what's going to happen. Um, but th- that's the great part. If you're a Mississippi State fan, you're along for a fun ride because they're going to score a ton of points at some point. So n- any any chance they sneak up, and I mean they're probably predicted to sixth or seventh in the West. I mean <laughs> they're they're going to play at Bama, at LSU, at Georgia. This year, do they have any chance with the other games to sneak up and maybe do something like Auburn? Maybe you know, I saw it was the anniversary of the three-two victory that Auburn had over Mississippi State. The Sylvester Cream. <laughs> now, I'm not saying it would be three-two, but could they could they sneak up and uh, where Gus maybe gets in his own way with play calling and Bo Nix is well, that could always freelance. Happen. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Um, so uh, you know, I, th- I think the the best way to look at this. By, by the way, is there any greater whiplash? Than Costello leaving Stanford to go play at Mississippi State, Palo Alto to Starkville, guys. I just want you to. Well, it's like we were talking about last about year that. with Berkeley going to Oxford to play a football game. Yeah, but those, I mean, both those towns are lovely. One of the towns of Palo Alto and Starkville is not lovely. <laughs> That's true. Um, and you can say Palo Alto is not, but I know which one definitely isn't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but you know, yeah, is there a possibility? Sure. I mean, the genius of Leach's offense is that. There's not really an offense. It's like just throw the open guy. If you if you've read his book, right? It, it, um, not swing the sword. What's the other? No, the, the that's the title of his book. No, yeah, that's the, 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 the one that's Bruce actually yeah. about the no, Hell Mummy. No, yeah, Hell Mummy's book. Um, the Perfect, Perfect Pass. It's not. A, it's not by Hell Mummy. It's, it's about, about Hell it's Mummy. about Hell Mummy. It's like Leach talks about his offense. Basically, I mean, they talk about his offense. It's like they have route trees, and literally, literally, his his coaching style is. I mean, it's like. Um, well, Coach, I was saying here is like, 
well, that guy's open. Why don't you throw it to him? Like, literally, that's the, that is the whole philosophy behind his, his offense. It's like the quarterback should throw the open guy. Yeah. And the, the Thanksgiving backyard philosophy. Yeah, it really is. Like they're drawing, it's almost like they're all plays up on the dirt. I once uh, talked to Artie Ulmer. Do you remember who he was? He uh, played, played for the Falcons. Played Valdosta yeah. State, yeah. then played uh, for the Falcons. He was like He's the second most famous Valdosta State player behind Jesse Tucker. Now, we're, Probably, now yeah. you said you spent time in Valdosta with, when you met Kirby or covering him, but wasn't Leach and Mummy and no, all those guys? No, before that. Early. Okay, it was before yeah, that. that. I, I talked to Artie Ulmer when he was with the Falcons. This is when I worked for Albany, and I asked him about Valdosta State because I was like going a couple days later to, I think, cover Valdosta State like in the D2 National Championship game where they – Lost to Grand Valley State, coached by Brian Kelly. It all had he killed any players there? Oh no! Wow! No, no, I'm sorry, no, film no, guys. No. But film no, guys. Um, not to my knowledge. <laughs> but Artie Ulmer, like the thing I said, Jesus. I was like, so what? Do you, you know, he 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 was remembering his Valdosta State days, and he was there, you know, during the you know the Mummy, Chris Hatcher, whatever years. He's like, yeah, I think they're doing the same thing. They've got the same eight offensive plays, and they just roll with them all the time. Like that. That's not much of an exaggeration. Well, it's interesting. I was listening to the solid verbal, and they were talking about, you know, how leached, how does he survive? And, and Starkville was like, friends, he 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 survived oh. Fouled Austin, Georgia oh, in the early 90s. He's, he's going to love Starkville. He's fine. That's right up his alley. It is, yeah. Um, so the answer to your question, which you asked 44 minutes ago, um, <laughs> is that uh, it's possible he's going to sneak up on somebody this year. You know, uh, my money is in the egg bowl because that's just the way, because God has a sense of humor and he loves us. And... Uh, I or, am all for or Athens, Georgia. Come on, man. It's homecoming. Don't start. Um, homecoming. Homecoming. Homecoming for me. Um, Home, sh- sh- shelter yeah, and homecoming. It's a whole thing. Well, um, so, yeah, there's a possibility he does. Um, the more interesting, more interesting thing is Lane Kiffin. The Lane Kiff- Kiffin Rehabilitation Project continues in Oxford. Um, he's, he's playing this more straight than, than obviously, um, <laughs> Mike Leach is possibly capable of. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how he does there. Uh, we know the dude can recruit. That is, that is the one thing you know about him and he's gotten better at offensive coaching. Um, and, and, um, the, the good news for him is Oxford doesn't have a major airport he can be fired at. So, you know, that, that does, that does fix some things the, what would be interesting to me is just to hear, you know, Seth, as a reporter, you, you catch tidbits, which obviously are non-reportable. Are there, is there anything about either of those programs that make you think, if you had to, if you take over-under, not over-under, if you had to take uh, odds, which one's going to be gone first? Which one would you pick? Kiffin. Uh, I mean, Leach was there a while at Washington State. You know, I mean, I'm trying to dig up an old voicemail I have from Mike Leach from a couple, or like a year or so ago. Stop. When I, when I was working... When I was working on the, uh, you remember I, I did a big Valdosta State story, like retrospective. Um, I probably summer, can't, right? I ca- probably can't play it like on the air, but it was just, it, it's nothing like salacious. It's just, it's just, it's Leech. just Mike Leach. Yeah. You know? um, he, talk, he talked about a pirate and the War yeah. of 1812. I, I think that, I think the West is fascinating with coaches. I mean, we haven't even talked about Sam Pittman, like that, that, is crazy enough to work like Sam Pittman as a, as in he's a guy who is this beloved assistant coach, not just to Georgia, but a lot of different places who gets a head coaching job at a place he's been. So he knows the terrain, you know, like position coaches have, people have started to latch onto that, that like, you know, these guys can, 
can make it work. They can be good at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, between Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, Gus Malzahn is still there. And you never know when he's just going to uncork another national championship year. Ed Orgeron, Jimbo Fisher. Is Bo Nix a recovering safety from another school? Yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't say here in the sheet. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the East is kind of boring, isn't it? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, we actually we talked about that a little bit last year with the East. Um, the name of the new Missouri coach. Yeah, Drinkwitz. Yeah. Eli, Eli Drinkwitz. Drinkwitz. Yeah. I mean, have you, have you seen him? Yeah, he's, he's average, he he looks like a professor. He looks, he's standard issue. White I was dude. thinking Revenge of the Nerds type look. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so you know, one of the things uh, when you think about the West, though, um, we we know. Look, we know Sam Pittman's going to have a hard year, right? Yeah, it, it's Sam it, Pittman knows he's going to have a yeah, hard year. Yeah, yeah, which is one of the reasons they hired Sam Pittman. He he's the guy that can survive that, right? He can survive it with their alumni. He's the guy that's going to survive it with the administration. Um, when you start trying to sort all these things, it's, you, it's e- the only team I can say 100% I feel certain of is Arkansas at the bottom, right? I, I think it feels safe enough to say the two Mississippi schools will be immediately above them in some order. But when you look at A&M, Auburn, LSU, I mean, those three teams could finish with exactly the same record, or one of them could potentially win the West. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think Alabama's the team I would say is most likely to win the West, but I, I, I don't know that they're as, a, uh, they're as locky as uh, – they're certainly not as locky as Arkansas is to, lose, to be the last in the West. Do we think a 10-game season changes the calculus from a normal season? Does it make it more – Likely that something screwy doesn't. Happen. I would, th- I would think so. I mean, of course. Then you add in the fact that it's 2020, and here's the thing: I know we're going to have fans in the stadium, but is a home field advantage going to be that much of a home field advantage? What have we seen so far? Huh? Baseball, like, EPO. Did, what have we? Did know? Georgia Tech winning at Florida State is that a sign that it's could be that home field advantage has been kind of well. Florida State's kind of. It's just not Florida State's a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, but Georgia Tech's not. No, they're you know. they're no. That was a hard game to watch. It's a fair question. I don't know. I mean, it's, what have we seen in the in the ACC and the Big Twelve? I mean, Big Twelve lost three games. <laughs> it didn't help Sun Wake They went zero to three against the Sun Belt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it didn't help Wake Four. I mean, yeah, but it wasn't that result was going to be what it was going to be no matter what. But um, I mean, Notre Dame kind of yeah you know uh, wasn't impressive over Duke, but Duke's a solid program under David. I mean, I. I, I don't know. I well, you know, North Carolina's kind of the pick du jour this year, and they 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 had a nice fourth quarter against Syracuse last week. They are absolutely one of the top four teams in the state of North Carolina. I'm curious if um, the, there's one thing that has been reliably irritating to Georgia fans this year. It has been the oh, this is the Florida year. Here they come. Here they come. Uh, it, that's it's become enough of a meme now that you can kind of make fun of it a little bit. But I mean, if you were to take a big, if you were only slightly paying attention and looking from sixty-four thousand feet up, it's actually a sixty-four thousand dollars question. But I've decided to make it the number of feet up. Sixty-four thousand feet is really high. It's really high, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's Elon Musk territory. Um, 
you could make an argument that this would be a year where maybe Florida isn't better than Georgia, but there's only so many steps forward you can make at a certain level. Do we... First off, is there any other challenger to Georgia other than Florida? And then secondly, is Florida a legitimate challenge to Georgia? I mean, Tennessee got a lot of pub in the offseason because of uh, some things that Jeremy Pruitt was doing in recruiting. And their offensive line is good. They've got a decent amount of stars back. they got Garantano, but he seems like just a bad fit. It's never really worked. He's a fifth-year senior. And, you know, I mean, I think really – I think Cade Mays is such – uh, a pivotal, a pivotal, pivotal swing if he does get eligible, uh, because he can play every position on the offensive line. They've already got a good offensive line to where they could actually maybe beat one of those teams and go six and four instead of five and five. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with finger and maze and consortium. I almost brought that up just so you would. I knew you were going to hit the line. But you something, it. something, pinky oh, finger. Um, so I, you know, I is think there a relevant team in this division other than Florida. I it's it's hard to say. I mean, Tennessee is certainly uh, probably the best candidate. Um, I, I'm. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt has shown he can coach some. Um, he, he certainly is against Indiana. Very against Indiana. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Um, but he is he is a actually a, a very very good recruiter, right? Um, if you if you were to ask me in five years which team I would be most worried about. I would say probably Tennessee because of Pruitt's recruiting prowess. Um, he he has – I'm glad he's not in Florida. If Pruitt were in Florida, I'd be scared to damn death uh, because Florida – Dan Mullen has built in advantages recruiting Florida that Jeremy Pruitt doesn't have. Um, I, I think you're right about Tennessee. I think Garantano is a bad fit. Their offensive line is going to be really good, um, and, and Cade Mays makes it better. Um but if you were to look at, okay, if you were to go unit for unit with every team in the conference, um, Tennessee might have one of those. Georgia and Florida, you could reasonably say, has multiple. And it's just hard to say say they're going to be there. I mean, I mean, turn the punch bowls, Kentucky. Um, I think that they um, – you know, Mark Stoops has them playing at a high level for Kentucky. They're not going to threaten Georgia for the. Is Terry even. Wilson back? He is back. He is back. And, and I don't. But they're not. I don't think they're going to threaten. I think it's unreasonable to think they're going to threaten Georgia for or Georgia or Florida, whomever we're going to say for the division title. But they certainly could end up having a say, right? If they they slip up and beat Georgia or slip up and beat Florida, um, because they are certainly. I think they're certainly capable. Of, of doing that and then you know it's we were talking about Drinkwitz a minute ago it's you know they are he's inheriting a better situation than Pittman and maybe even a better situation uh, long term than um, than Leach is in Starkville um, it, it's just you know it's just hard to say they're going to be able to do anything other than win a couple of games and then our friend Coach Boom let's take his diploma away um, you know, I think it's really nice. He gave his friend Mike Bobo a job and a higher offensive coordinator in this economy. Um, but I, the schedule really conspires against him. Um, I, I'm not saying that. I mean, 
a week ago, I would have said it's really hard to see a, a football coach getting fired absent some sort of super malfeasance. Uh, Southern Miss blew that out of the water for us. Um, that always get. I, I laughed at all those stories. Yeah. Like, well, it's like yeah, you write that now. Yeah. Wait till games start being played. Yeah. And people start getting mad at losses and decisions. Like no, no, they're. Coaches are going to get fired. Yeah, well, I mean, the situation at Southern Miss is a little different, right? Because they, he wanted to hire Art, Art Bryles, maybe? Or was it Kendall? Yeah. No, Whoever I mean, it was. No, I mean, like, there's going to be firings in the SEC. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, if, really? If, who? Yeah. Please tell me. I mean, if Will Muschamp goes four and six, that's it. Oh, he's going four and yeah. six? Yeah. He's going four and if six? He go, if he goes, schedule? If he goes four and six. If he goes, you know, I mean, yeah. I feel like five and five. I mean, that would be like, I feel like it'd be really impressive. Well, look at their schedule. Do you have their schedule in front of you? I'm sorry, I don't. I mean, but, but they're playing uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt, right? We can say one of those is a win, right? <laughs> Who are they playing from the West? They, I know they got Ole Miss. They got uh, A&M. If we only had the internet in our pocket. Seven, four and six, excuse me. He gets fired. That's it. Because it's weird, you know, uh, in a... I think, I think they do better, do better than that. I feel I like believe, the I, I, believe I believe in South Carolina, Carolina a little bit more than other people do. Yeah, and it, so okay, let's walk through the schedule. Tennessee, win or loss? Got to call it a loss at this point. Uh, Florida on the road, loss. Vandy, win. Auburn at home. There, there's a firing. Derek Mason. They're going to be really bad. Yeah, they're going to be terrible. But Vanderbilt may be the one yeah. school that doesn't get so competitive. I'm saying that. Most places are going to revert to normal, like decisions when it comes to hirings and firings. Like fans get really angry on the internet during pandemic the yeah, same yes. way that they get really angry yes. on the internet when it's not a pandemic. Yeah, yeah but, but TV money is different. And for the record, South Carolina has not lost to Vanderbilt since 2008. Yeah, I was at that game. Not coming. It was at noon. Well, of course it was. It was, at it noon. was a typical. It was yeah. It was. It was South, at noon or seven thirty on Thursday. It was in Columbia. It was. It was at noon. South Carolina was coming. South Carolina was like number six in the country or something, oh. and yeah, they, that made that made my stuff. Who was the coach of it, it? Was much, much like, like Caldwell, Georgia right? losing at home to South Carolina right. in two thousand nineteen. Dude, I, I just made a comment about my stuff tingling. You got to bring me down. Um, all right, Auburn versus South Carolina. Loss. LSU. Loss. A and M. Loss. Mississippi. I was gonna say loss. Missouri. Win. Georgia. Win. <laughs> Who invited him? <laughs> Listen, <asshole>. um, <laughs> Kentucky on the road to end the season. All right. South Carolina on paper is only going to be favored in three games. Right. I, I say they sneak up and win two or three more. Six and four. Wow. They, they've, but, they've, they've quietly built depth yeah. and, and recruited solidly under Muschamp. They've, they've built some decent recruiting classes. And what if Bobo is able to come in and straighten out that offense? Okay, too fine. Uh, you, know, you know the stadium call fire. I think it's important to note. That was a literal dumpster fire, wasn't it? Was that uh, it ended up being a tractor. Oh, that's also funny. funny. <laughs> it's actually funny in an almost better way. Um, <laughs> but do, not Runzook, so. Do you, will you be scared of that game in Jacksonville? No, I was scared in 2015 when we did the Fatone Balta show. Florida catching up with Georgia and they've got this and so on. They've got trash back and all this is coming back. Does that, when you look at the Georgia schedule, it's still probably their second scariest game. Correct. 
But how scary is it? I mean, Georgia's won three in a row. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't think I've in the five years we've done this podcast, I've never picked against Georgia, so I don't plan on doing it for that game. But you know, I feel pretty confident about it. I mean, I haven't seen anything happen, and we we, we we're going to have a true sophomore redshirt sophomore start at quarterback probably so i mean what am i saying but i think with georgia and eventually we'll get into georgia i think the defense is going to be so solid it's going to it's going to mask a lot of the shortcomings potentially on offense despite todd munkin and and everything else podcast taped days ago um about the idea of what starts to get heat under Kirby Smart and start people starting to get annoyed. And I know I, I know a lot of people don't think it's a thing, but like the whole idea now it is a presumption, even an assumption, never minding just an expectation, that Georgia's gonna win the East. Like right now the thing is, oh here we go, going to the SEC championship game and losing again. What happens if Florida beats them this year and gets in the SEC championship game? It feels like not just that Georgia is spinning in place, but in fact, Florida has come to pass them. To me, that is a difference. Like, it's one thing to go and lose to LSU or to go and lose to Alabama or even, God forbid, to lose to an Auburn or someone in the SEC championship game. It is another thing. Remember, the whole deal with Richt was how this is a time that Georgia should be dominating the SEC East. Why are they not doing that? Then Kirby Smart comes in. Now it's the, feels like the birthright for them to win the SEC East. What happens? I'm not saying Kirby Smart's going to be fired up this year. Obviously not. But it does feel to me like it increases the pressure and more to the point, the national spotlight on Kirby Smart, if now not only did they get so close to the mountaintop and then fell backwards, but now Florida has caught them on the back end. 2017, Georgia wins the SEC championship. 2018, they lose in a heartbreaker to Alabama SEC championship. A little worse. 2019, blown out by LSU. A little worse. 2020, don't even make it to the SEC championship, even if they're 9-1, and one, one loss to Florida, tiebreaker. That's going backwards again. That's when you do start to hear the chirping and saying, like, yeah, you're at least supposed to – what we were saying in the previous show about Georgia fans will be happy as long as they're in contention, if they're in the conversation. The old Billy Bean axiom of get into the playoffs, and then after at that point it's a crapshoot. Well, if they're not even getting in the conversation because they're not winning the East, yeah. I mean, the baseball guy for a moment. I mean, the I Joe Madden won the World Series for the Chicago Cubs, a thing that managers have attempted to do for more than a hundred years. Have tried to win a Super Bowl, uh, trying to win a World Series for the Cubs. The next year, they make it to the NLCS and lose. The next year, they make it to the wildcard game and lose. The next year, they don't even make the playoffs. He got canned. Now, that's not going to happen to Kirby Smart. But water finds its like people only know where the water is with the, the frog in the, in the pan and, you know, the, the, the boil the frog. Yeah, no, I just lost the metaphors. <laughs> yeah. 
If you'd have told someone in 2012 that the Cubs are going to make the NLCS but just fall short, you'd be like, how amazing this wonderful is. But when you reach that top level and then go down a spot and down a spot and down a spot, it increases the heat on them. Like a frog in the fright. No, I'm not going to let that one go. Uh, but certainly, it, it, that's a thing, right? Like if, if Georgia takes another step backward... The, the worst-case scenario for this year, to me, is not losing to Alabama. It's losing to Florida. And the number of people nationally who feel like that's a real possibility, it feels more a narrative-based thing than necessarily a talent-based boredom. thing. Yeah. Boredom. Boredom with ready for a new angle. Right. But if that happens, it is definitely a new angle. I, I just think the gap between Georgia and Florida is too wide. But it only takes one game. It only takes one day. Georgia lost to South Carolina. Florida <laughs> is close <laughs> enough to, to right. Georgia. Dan Mullen, I'm not saying Dan Mullen is a better coach than Kirby Smart or that Todd Grantham is a, you know. But Florida's talent is enough and Dan Mullen's coaching acumen is enough that on one day in November, they could do it. Even two years ago, they had a lead ever so briefly on Georgia in the second half after Felipe Thranks threw a touchdown. Last year's game, I think the final score was 24-17. 24-17. Yeah. It felt it felt like close, it was in hand, but, but yeah. it was still, still they had a drive late. Yeah. Florida had a drive late in that yeah. game, they could have done it. Well, I mean, last year was the closest thing. Well, it was a to me it felt like a crockpotting game. Right. Oh, Georgia yeah. clearly was yeah. better. Like it took one drive or one play or one broken coverage. Georgia has Georgia has to go to Alabama, which now might not be as big a deal. Right, but it helps not to have still hundred thousand screaming still, Alabamians yeah, there. But it's still playing Alabama. So if you lose that, Georgia's margin of error is pretty much now. Maybe then you could go have another South Carolina type game, but Florida loses somewhere else, like to LSU, and then you beat Florida. That's how you get in. But basically. It, basically, if Georgia, I, I, yeah, unless something crazy happens, the SEC East will be decided in Jacksonville, and it only takes one bad day by Georgia and one really good day by Florida. The good news is, is that at least under the Kirby Smart regime, we haven't had a bad day by Georgia in Jacksonville. Um, and, and one of the things, look, it's I think it's important to note that a lot of 2016, people, notwithstanding, right? I mean, he, yeah, yeah, we. So Kirby Smart era started in 2017, according to <laughs> according to the, the according. Canon. But my book, you heard it. Here. My book details 2016 and how important that was. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of people are hanging their hat on Kyle Trask this, Kyle Trask that, and everyone wants to point to those last four games. You know who can only count to four? Kevin Mays. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> so you know why though, Seth? Right? <laughs> he went to Tennessee, and. Um, <laughs> Plus, he only has four fingers on one hand. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> that was worth the wait. <laughs> that was excellent, too. Thank you. I planned that for a day. Um, so, but look, here are the teams he played. Vanderbilt, Missouri, Florida State, and then, of course, the Virginia game, right? And, and I'm not discounting Virginia. Virginia was a good football team last year. Um, the, the, the thing I think is important for us to recognize and anybody to recognize when you start comparing these two things. It's like, everybody's like, well, Florida's secondary is so good and Kyle Trask and Georgia has no quarterback. Okay. 
I, I, can, I can say all those things. So what you're counting on is that Georgia's defense is worse. And I hear all the, I hear all the arguments about one game. It just takes one game. Um, Georgia's defense is worse than it was last year. And Georgia's offense is worse than it was last year. And also, the whatever focus it takes by Kirby Smart um, in, in, in Georgia to go to Jacksonville and lay an egg, um, it's just it's impossible for me to see. Is there possible? Is, it, is there a world where Georgia and Florida finish 9-1? and one? Sure. I still am going to put my money on Georgia winning the East in that, in that scenario. Well, where has, the, where, where has the talent at Georgia slipped? It like, hasn't. They, That's they, the point. They're, you're talk, their recruiting classes the last four years are this past year number one, previous year number two, previous year number one, previous year number three. They've now, that number one recruiting class in 2018, lost a bunch of guys, including Cade Mays and Justin Fields and Luke Ford um, and Brenton Cox, now playing for Florida. But they make up for it by getting transfers here and there, although Jamie Newman, no longer with the team, but a JT Daniels. Um, but, like, the defensive talent hasn't slipped. Defense, if anything, is better. Well, they perform is better. The, I, I think you do have to look a little bit at Let's remember the competition that they faced. They didn't face many elite quarterbacks in 2019. They may not face many elite quarterbacks in 2020. Um, but the offense, the offense is going to be better. Yeah, who's the, who's the best quarterback Georgia faces this year? Is, uh, is it Trask? Uh, or Alabama, Jones. Yeah. I mean, and they get, to, they get to face Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask in one season. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. K.J. Costello. Costello, yeah, I guess, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So. This seems like a good time to talk about Georgia. Yeah. Uh, the University of Georgia has a football team, yeah. and they have many uh, players. And so, by the way, Seth has been, since he walked in, wanted to talk about Jamie Newman, and I think it's important that we do. Yeah. We're going to wait another wait, hour. Did, and did it seem like I wanted to talk about Jamie <laughs> Newman? I've mentioned him a couple times. Yes. So, um, clearly, um, Jamie Newman made a correct decision for her. For his, uh, what do you think, Seth? I, at this point, am very dubious of his decision unless it was made, if, if we take him at face value that this was made about COVID concerns. And, which, and, which it feels obliged to point out was made the day after the explosion in cases. Day, at no, the day of. The day of. The they day of, they, right? he, they and, announced and, it, and then he announced his decision like an hour or two later, but he told Kirby Smart the day before. Okay. But of course, he may have seen the way that students were acting in the University of Georgia. I'm just trying to give him every benefit of the doubt, so I tee and it also, up. And also, the day after one of his closest friends, Sage Sherratt, yeah. the wide receiver at Wake Forest, made the yes. same decision. There, there, were, there are things. There may be something like he may have an immunocompromised person in his family. Yeah. Um, so there, what do you there, think? I, I think there's probably a combination of a lot of things. An agent may have gotten in his ear and said, now you, you may just want to tap out at this point. Um, but the problem is, like, with the Big Ten coming back, with the Pac-12, like, look, Pac-12 is going to play. We can all tell that it's going in that direction, too. The, the people who opted out, like, if you were a first-round pick, like Jamar Chase at LSU, guys like that, um, that's one thing. But guys that are on the bubble I mean Jamie Newman is going to operate on his film from Wake Forest and he's going to look like 
to, to NFL scouts, like when Leonard Fournette sat out the bowl at LSU in 2016, I remember talking to Nick Chubb about that, and he said, I wouldn't do that. But now it's become the norm that if you're like a high first-round pick, you're going to do that. NFL scouts don't hold that against you, number one, because it's just an exhibition game of bowl. But number two, these guys are really good. These are really good players. These are surefire first-round picks. So you're not going to let something like that. And it's going to be the same thing with the people who opt out. I don't know if this will carry out post-pandemic, like if we're through this in 2021, a seeming first-round pick opts out and says, I don't want to risk injury. I'm just going to get ready for the draft. At that point, I don't know what they're going to think. But right now, if you're a first-round pick, then I think if you're an NFL team, you're looking at players like that and saying, yeah, I mean, do I have some a little bit of questions about their, their competitive spirit? Yeah, but damn, he's a really good player. So I'm going to take it. But with Jamie Newman, guys like that, I mean, I don't think it reflects as well if I'm an NFL person, unless he's really good. Jamie Newman's going to have to really show out in the combine and in workouts to, to make up for for this. And, and it also, of course, allows, I mean, how many people were talking about Joe Burrow? Of course, that famous idea possibly talking about this last year. Like, there's people that will pass him this yeah. year that are yeah. considered below him now that will be above him. What if Kyle Trask right. blows right. up? We may laugh. Yeah, I appreciate Who would have thought yeah. that about Joe Burrow? Right, right, right. Yeah, Joe Burrow, I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember watching Joe Burrow beat Georgia in that game being like, wow, Georgia must be playing terrible if Joe Burrow is beating them One of my right takeaways now. from that game was, this guy Burrow is really good, but, man, he's not that good. Yeah, Georgia right? must be really right, bad. Right, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I think, I think that's right. So that leads, of course, to Georgia's quarterback situation. I mean, you know, like it's. I I I agree with others present, and I said it last week. I think it's Dewan Mathis's job to lose right now, uh, especially with with Daniel not being cleared yet. Daniels. Daniels. Oh, there's two of them. There's Bleak. a there's, there's a there's defensive no, player with just singular. It's Daniel. There's no way Dewan Matthews can be two dudes. Um, DJ Daniel is cleared. Yeah, DJ Daniels. I, as far as I know, he is cleared. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you know, until Daniels is cleared, I don't. You know, it's it's hard to, to even predict him. They also have a walk-on offensive lineman, Daniel Gothard, as I call him, the lonely Gothard. Yeah, the, he's by himself. Yeah. Just one Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scott got, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've used that pun in lines before. No one, no one really like the lonely got like. Okay, all right. Will you get it? I'm, I'm nodding. Do we not have enough sound of music? Like. <laughs> The aficionado. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. I'll tell you the line. I'll tell you the line my, my family has on that, that movie after we're off because it's not not great. Um, so, but you know, the, the thing about the thing about the quarterback situation is that, I mean, it looks like going out and getting Daniels to come to Georgia was a masterstroke, right? Uh, I stand by the statement that if Daniels wins the job, um, he's probably the starter all season. That if Mathis wins the job. We could see Daniels at some point. Um, I'd be interested to hear what Seth thinks about that because obviously he sees he he wait y'all aren't seeing practice. I mean, I saw Mathis practice before. Right, you've seen him practice once. I've not seen JT Daniels in the flesh. I never saw Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman will forever be a rumor. (laughs) We never did an interview. We never saw him physically in in a uniform. Um, Imagine if Jamie Newman does 
contrary to everything I was saying, like go on to some great NFL career. What did we say? Like, what is his bio say when, when he's on Monday Night Football and he's being introduced? Is it Jamie Newman, Wake Forest or Jamie Newman, Georgia? It's got to be Jamie Newman, Wake Forest. Yeah. It's got to be Jamie. Yeah. yeah. I, I get the feeling that Georgia won't be rushing to embrace that. I think I, I don't. I'm not sure he left on the most. Likely. But how how far back is uh, Carson Beck? Because uh, Aaron Murray got in trouble for uh, tweeting out a video and uh, talking about how great he looked at the scrimmage. Did he get in trouble for that? I, he I heard him on the radio at 960 talking about how his hand got slapped for uh, for tweeting the video out uh, from the scrimmage. Oh oh, I you know what? I never saw the video. I saw it was deleted. Okay, yeah. Well, I saw his video of him talking, right? And I watched it, um, and I texted with him a little bit afterwards. But I was trimming the hedges, and I suffered an eye that, injury. Is that a metaphor? Euphemism. No, I was I was literally trimming the hedges at my house, <laughs> not the ones <laughs> they, yeah. they wouldn't let me Whatever. anywhere near. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I missed the <laughs> it's video. just part of part yeah. of the job description when you cover the Georgia football team. You are also required to do basic apiary <laughs> activities. Scary work. <laughs> the, the way the Georgia stadium. the way the Georgia quarterback situation's gone this year. You know, you, you start the year thinking Jake Fromm's probably going to come back, and then he doesn't. And then they bring in Jamie Newman, and well, he, clearly he's the starter. But then they bring in JT Daniels, and. Well, you know, and then Jamie Newman leaves. Well, it's clearly Daniels, but now it's going to be Dwan Mathis. And then you've got Aaron talking about Carson Beck, who's pretty good. Starting quarterback at some point is going to be Stetson Bennett. I mean, just or Nate Priestley, the walk-on from L.A. <laughs> Does Bauta have any eligibility left? Bauta, no. Yeah, it's too soon. No, no. But I'm, I'm in all seriousness at this point, as we sit here and talk, Dwan Mathis, I expect to be the starter against Arkansas. Partly out of uncertainty about JT Daniels getting cleared. Um, you can't, like, if you're not certain that he's going to be cleared, you can't waste reps on somebody in practice leading up to a game. I mean, a lot of people may say, well, it's just Arkansas. That's not how coaches think. Uh, so, but also, but partly because they really like Dwan Mathis and, and he's shown. A lot of how ability. is his size going to play into it? The fact he's six five, six six. Six five six six, yeah. And so, so the physicality. I mean, is he known as a drop back and then run, or a run then drop back kind of guy? Drop back then run, I would say. Um, he's, you know, the thing. I was talking to his high school coach last week, and I asked, I asked him about the the size thing. He's like, is he able to see over the line? He's like, well, the linemen are that big too, but he he can get the he has the vision to see through. Um, I think that height probably helps him when he's you know scrambling and and extending plays and you can see see a little bit more of the field and get rid of the ball right before you cross the line but I I really think a lot of it comes down to Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart were proceeding this offseason with the assumption Jamie Newman would be the starter so you've probably got a lot of plays in your book for a dual threat guy and then you lose that but you still have Dwan Mathis Well, I think one of the frustrating parts of the offense of 2019 was those few RPOs that were run, but not very well, and Fromm never took it. And it, I think it was in the SEC championship game where Swift was barking at him for not taking it, and we clearly could have made some some yardage on that. I think it was the Auburn, Auburn game. game. Auburn yeah. game. Okay, it was yeah. Auburn game. But you know, I think that was a big frustration last year because you just felt like. Maybe that's why it felt like we were being held back. Swift should catch some game-winning touchdown passes from Matt Stafford. That's what Swift should do. He's on my fancy team. 
That was uh, that was after Javon Wims. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Javon gosh, caught a yeah. touchdown. So I don't have good Javon Wims on my team. Bit so sorry, I'm not better. What are we talking about? <laughs> I'm not even sure. We were breaking down Stetson Bennett expected. Yeah, well, it's fine. I'm fine with that. I, I guess here's a question. Um, Mathis, are we? is Mathis a hold down the fort until Daniels is ready guy? That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I don't – I mean, I, I think the way they're looking at it uh, is he's good enough to give a shot until – like Daniels isn't until Daniels is either cleared and if Mathis is so good that he can't come out of the lineup a la Jake Fromm versus Jacob Eason in 2017 then then so be it um I mean they've I think they've learned Kirby has especially over the years and Munkin has because he's been in the NFL where you know you don't care about I mean there's not no eligibility years remaining isn't a thing is that you you play the best guy and sort it out later. You don't you try not to look down the line and say, "All right, you're starting JT Daniels now because he's got three years left. He's a redshirt sophomore, and then you're bringing in Brock Vandegriff to compete with Mathis and Carson Beck." Um, no, they're they're going to start the guy that gives them the best chance now. And but isn't that the mindset that kind of led into the fields situation in the first place, right? Like, it, like all the people that were like, "Boy, why?" Like, it's great to have Justin Fields here, but like, it's like the quarterback position is different. Like, the, the, like this is this is like there's a rift about this. The idea that like some coaches. Th- like they, all coaches like to say it's a competition. It's a competition. We're yeah. bringing out our guys here and so on. But at a certain level, you do that long enough, and then you have. Every single game you have, they're like, hey, Fields, what, when's Fields going to play? What's he going to do? And you end up in the situation that they had with Fields, yeah. which was not only did they not put him in the starting spot, they felt like obliged to keep him in games, often to the detriment of both him and the team. Yeah, and, and Fromm's best game came against Florida that year in 2018 when Fields didn't take a snap. And it, you know, it was just, I mean, it, it was just a situation where I'm not sure anyone was wrong you just had a from who had come off a year where he had been the quarterback I, I, try, I try not to say led Georgia to the national championship game um, I mean it's not like the old onion headline of Bears lead Grex Grossman <laughs> but but from did do so well that year that they didn't put Jacob Eason their anointed quarterback back in the game and I have a story in my book about the book promotion episode was the previous one I know, but I have a story in my book about Kirby Smart after the Appalachian State game that year saying, can't believe I'm about to start another freshman. Like, this was not the plan. Um, Attack but, the day, Kirby Smart yes. and George's return to but, glory. But you also <laughs> forget Justin Fields would have been a true freshman in 2018. But, um, but it's different this year. You know, Dwan Mathis is – he he's kind of a he seems like a new face on the scene, but he's not. He's been with this program for almost two years now at this point because he early enrolled in 2018. He essentially replaced Justin Fields. So one of the other uh, interesting uh, position battles probably has to do with uh, wide receiver. Not really a battle because Pickens and, and Robertson are kind of solidified as uh, maybe the the two starting wideouts. But then you you've got Matt Landers who caught a touchdown in the Sugar Bowl 
you've got Kyrus Jackson, uh, and then Jermaine Burton's been getting a lot of yeah. pub. And so, I mean, that's five guys right there. Uh, sure, McKitty's hurt with the tight end no. spot, <laughs> but uh, but then you got Darnell Washington, number zero. So, how's it going to be? Like we've talked about the quarterback, but the guys they're throwing to, and we'll get to the running backs in a minute. But the guys out wide that they're throwing to and on the line, how's that shaking out? It it helps that they're developing this depth, especially with Dominic Blaylock now not part of the equation. Arian Smith at this point not part of the equation. You're, you're listing more guys that you can kind of be sure of. You started the preseason not counting Blaylock because you were still wondering like when he was going to be ready, but you were assuming he'd be ready at some point. Now you just take him completely out, and you just have Pickens and Robertson, probably Kyrus Jackson. And after that, you're like, who else can you depend on? Well, you hear some really good things about Kyrus Jackson from the set. So you say, all right, that's a third guy. And then you start to hear really good things about um, – yeah, Matt Landers, who, you know, a lot of, he's a polarizing guy. You bring it up with fans, and they're like, no, no, no. It's like, no, they, they really like what they've seen. You're really good things about Jermaine Burton. And you're hearing stuff about. Don't say I'm Tommy Bush. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've even said him. Really? And yeah, and, you know, yeah, Trey McKitty, that sounds like a situation where maybe hold him out of Arkansas, but bring him back for Auburn. Um, maybe, maybe not, but at least ready for for uh, for Alabama, which is a ways down the line at this point. But they've, like you said, they've still got Darnell Washington there. They've got John Fitzpatrick, who was in the rotation last year. So they're they're building depth at receiver and guys they can shuttle in and out. But it still comes down to they've got Pickens over there. Yeah, that they he's just so good that. If he's one-on-one with almost any team, other than if they're playing an All-American or All-SEC cornerback, they've got an advantage. So the other team, you've either got an advantage throwing to Pickens or the other team has to put another guy on him, which opens something else up. So Pickens, in a lot of ways, is the most important player on this team still. Because you lose him, defense makes it a lot easier on the defense. I was waiting for the... Throwing him in the side of the tech <laughs> well, stadium. Well, I, mean, I just assume everybody knows I'm going to say that. <laughs> I mean, you always are allowed to throw Trace Willens' kid into the turnbuckle. Um, so, running backs, uh, we've got you know pretty much the one-two punch. We've got Thunder and Lightning again with Zamir White and then James Cook. But then you know you're building depth back behind them too because Kenny McIntosh had the longest run of the team last year uh, against Arkansas State, which that. is kind of yeah. crazy to think about. You got Kendall Milton and yeah. then uh, Daiwan Jennings. Uh, Dijon Edwards. They, Same uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I murdered that. But uh, Yes, uh, K- Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln, and Lincoln had a secretary <laughs> named Kennedy. Is that so. actually true? I, it is true. It, it is, true. is actually okay. true. It is actually yeah. true. Um, so I mix up Dijon Edwards and Love C. Carroll a lot. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Love C. Carroll is the guy that they have committed for this year. And that's one of the things I just get in my mind that I mess up. Some like also like Herschel Walker being from Gainesville when he's actually from Wrightsville, which sometimes I have brain farts on stuff, and and that's one of them. By the way, it, 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 those of you who are listening are especially if you've if you listen to whatever future podcast says we're talking about Attack the Day, uh, George's Return to Glory by Seth Emerson, available booksellers everywhere. There is one spot where he talks about Herschel Walker being from. Gainesville and Wrightsville. Friends, 
we all know this. If you're reading this book and this is the thing that's going to keep you from buying the book, I can't help you. You're just missing out a lot of good information. It's a mistake. Move on. Just do it. It's He's been to Gainesville before. Right. He, I mean, so, he's, yeah. It's, so, it's a throwaway line. I, I, have, I, have, I have Deshaun Watson in my head. Or Damon Evans. Damon Evans from Gainesville. As someone yeah. that's currently in book edits, how many words is your book? How many words it's did you like end up a book? 70 to 75,000. 75,000 words. Yeah. There's literally 75,000 words yeah. in this book. Maybe like, you should chill get, out a little I, bit I about it. I get that's a large part of the um, that's a large part of the the, the canon, you know, the But it's official. not a big part of the book. It, it, it's one word. I, the book the book's not about Herschel Walker. In in Friends in Johnson County, it's not sliding against you. Move on. Johnson County is where anyway. Right. anyway, back to Zamir White. And James Cook, Thunder and Lightning. How's that going to play out this year? I, I think it'll play out the way we expected. I I don't know if they'll both rush for a thousand yards the way Georgia <laughs> has started to do because so of the awesome. shortened season. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. There's only <laughs> but that could also work the other way, where like if they were playing Louisiana Monroe, if they were playing like they might guarantee games like Louisiana uh, Monroe and East Tennessee State and Georgia Tech, like I, I did that. Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah, Tony. Tony didn't yeah. catch that. Well, either. I got it. I'm okay. just still thinking about still two, two yeah. one thousand yard rushers. But oh. uh, th- so you're not going to have Zamir White run for like sixty yards against East Tennessee State and then pull him from the game. Yeah. So they're if you're playing ten SEC games, maybe you're keeping guys in longer every game. Um, so I don't know. It could work different ways. But what I'm saying is I think Zamir White and James Cook are going to be as good as, let's say, the DeAndre Swift and Brian Harrion combo of last year, which is pretty good. At the Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb level yet, that's, that's pretty high. They'll probably be as good as the DeAndre Swift-Elijah uh, Holyfield combo from 2018. I'll, 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 put, I'll, I'll say that. An interesting thing is how Monken may use Cook as a receiver. Um, uh, and that's the thing that, that that's been the tantalizing tease with with James Cook his entire career is his pass catching ability. Um, and if if they can incorporate him, whether they move him out to slot to drop an H back, whatever they do with him um, to get him the ball in space, um, my God, if I'm still stuck on two one thousand yard rushing um, uh, rushers, I, I mean, I mean. Look, it's not at all impossible to think that you have a thousand yard rusher with one, and and Cook gets a thousand yards all purpose, right? Um, yeah. But if they do that, I mean, Georgia's playing December nineteenth and, and January first. Full, full stop. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't see any way around that. So, who's the first guy off the bench, running back wise? Is it Milton? Is it uh, McIntosh? I mean, McIntosh. Mil- Milton, Milton yeah. has been nicked up a little bit in the preseason. I'm saying first guy off the bench against Arkansas. Um, now, literally, the first guy off the bench may be Cook because White may start in a one-back set. And then, right. But I, the, at Georgia now, I list co-starters at tailback. I just, I just do. Like, it's what we do. Who, who, started, who, started at, who started the opener for Georgia last year at running back? Was it Harrion? It was Harrion. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Now, you know, I mean, it was, it was Swift – and the other guys, but Harrion was like... He was in for that play. Yeah. yeah. Harrion kind of got a reward for what he had done. And then he 
didn't play in the Sugar Bowl, and that was pretty much it. Um, but, yeah, Georgia's a two-back team, like two-back starter team. And I think by the end of the year it may be Milton. Um, but over the preseason, uh, Milton's dealt with some stuff, McIntosh. McIntosh actually has missed some stuff time, some time too from what we've heard. Everything is what we've heard because we haven't been out to practice and seen it, but we're getting that. Do you feel like uh, coverage – do you feel like it's harder to make judgments about this team? Not, not just make judgments, but to har- harder to even put them in context from all the teams that you've watched just because you've not been able to be there? I think it's easier to put it in context. It's harder to make judgments. Um, so I'm being careful about – a lot of things that I say. I, I have to go off of what sources tell us. I have to go off of just a reporter's sense when you do interviews with Kirby and players over Zoom. You ask questions. You, you learn to ask questions in a certain way to elicit a response that may not get you the quote you need, but can give you some clues. And it, it's 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 been hard. So you're relying a lot on on stuff you're hearing from inside, but like you, you still, you're still able to, to glean some stuff. Should we, should we go over the schedule? I think maybe that's where we are. I, I do want to take a quick second and talk about two things. The first, I want to talk about the defense a little bit, if for no other reason, so I can get the tingles again, talking about defensive line, uh, and then talk about the place kicking situation. Now that our, uh, our Rodrigo! American hero, Rodrigo Blankenship, uh, you know, someone on this table picked him like immediately before I did. And I've heard from my wife every day about it. So it is thanks. worth noting, by the way, I had forgotten. Not only did Rodrigo, of course, make the Colts, he is in fact replacing Adam Vinatieri. I had not realized that until that game actually started. That and how do you not repick him? I know. I knew. No, I just forgotten the Vinatieri. Uh, A lot has happened since last year, and so the idea that like I'm sure there were Colts fans that were like, "Yeah, this new guy here." goggles. No, literally, I was going to pick him with the next my next the pick right before you picked him and. Kristen All four been, people at this table, by the way, are in my fantasy league. That's where that's coming from. Yeah. Kristen has worn me out. Uh, I'm not in the football, football league. Oh, so you're in the baseball league. Baseball league. Yeah. Yeah. And I was miserable. Yeah. 14 out of 14 teams. Yeah, he hasn't invited me to the baseball, which is fine because I don't have time for all this. Um, but the, uh, the defensive line, um, you, you, when you look at this line and just how deep it can be, um, I mean, do we, do we think the – do we think the line's the weakest spot or the linebackers the weakest spot? Because no, it's not. Is it the D backs? Is there a weakest spot? I can't. I can't think of a weak weak spot. I mean, is Lewis seen as good as J.R. Reed right away at strong safety? I don't know, but I mean, Nakobe Dean is replacing Tay Crowder, who was a draft pick and has made the Giants, but Nakobe Dean. His upside is higher. Um, Outside linebackers, they're just shuttling in guys that are, I mean, between Nolan Smith and Jermaine Johnson backing up Aziz Ojolari. Uh, I mean, maybe the second cornerback spot, like it it seems like Tyson Campbell is moving into – he's having a really good preseason if he can be consistent. Eric Stokes and DJ Daniel, do they lock it down? But they look really good at – I mean, Tyreek Stevenson, they're having trouble getting him consistently on the field. That's he was a terror in the SEC championship yeah. game before he got hurt. 
Yeah, and and yeah, D line is the D line as deep as you want it. I mean, they, but yeah, maybe I mean, not this year. I mean, considering they may not the right now go six, seven, eight deep the way they have some other years, but that depth may come. And and, and enjoy watching Jordan Davis because he will not be back next year. <laughs> not at this point. No, no. I mean, you, you, between him, Malik Herring, Trayvon Walker, um, those are three high-end guys, especially Walker and Davis. I mean, Rochester is, what, the fifth or sixth guy as a senior? He's my he's... – Yeah, but possibly could – play a lot of snaps right just I mean, because of the position I he's mean, probably my favorite but yeah they've, he's probably my favorite ridiculously rick recruit everywhere I mean, they, that's the thing they've still got rick recruits on right. this team julian rochester and ben cleveland are rick yes. recruits technically signed under kirby but stuck around when man. when rick was trying to save his job yeah do you remember the tour like oh, yeah. first he he, he had the surprise trip yeah. out to washington see jacob beeson but like he followed it up by visiting Julian Rochester and Ben Cleveland. He went to Tacoma. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Sorry. And then of course, uh, place kicker. It's gonna be Zirkle, right? At this point, I'd say. I mean, so. I mean they, they've talked about the Jack Plyleszny. Plyleszny, the kid from St. Simons, right? Yes. Is he gonna do probably kickoffs? a really good golfer? Um, <laughs> parents are probably very rich, but uh, he, uh, he, He's you know, it could be bit. him or or. Or Zirkle, but probably Zirkle. I mean, but Kamara's not doing kickoffs or anything like that. Just punting. No, he's just punting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. They wouldn't put him in to do, like, the 60-yarder. Because like, he's got the biggest leg. I asked Kirby Tuesday yeah. night. That was my question was about kickers because everyone else was going to ask quarterback questions. And I, I tend to ask a lot of quarterback questions. So I thought, what the hell? I'm going to ask a I mean, the philosophy's still going to be kick the ball the end zone and start on the 25, right? Please don't tell me we're going to direction Most kick of the in, time. So. I mean, but it, Scott Cochran's in charge of special teams now. So maybe the philosophy is you actually he, – he really wants to be aggressive and he wants to have guys make tackles. Yeah, I was like, ah, touchbacks are boring. <laughs> kick, <laughs> let's <laughs> kick it to the one and let's go get them. I want to start on the 25 because you don't start any – you start zero drives inside that you're on 50. Right? I don't know. Sorry, Will. I didn't – I just want to talk about those things. Schedule. schedule. Let's go through the schedule. Okay, yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Who's got it? Oh, yeah, dude, Arkansas, 4.30 on the 26th. I, I am, I'm taping this podcast on my phone, so I no longer have I access it. to my phone. I got it right on my head. Arkansas. This is going to be a producing Durban. nightmare for you. But. I've, I've been thinking about that, but I'm like, I've, I've been doing this so long, I can do it. Okay, Arkansas, seriously. Three, two, one. Arkansas. I take the dogs. <laughs> this is what we're doing? I don't Let's know. just go through. Let's just go through the schedule. All right, Arkansas on the 26th. That game's at 4.30. Auburn here. That's a seven thirty kickoff. Seven thirty kickoff with. Hey, should we talk about the tailgating situation? There, there is no one. Okay, so <laughs> we, we were having t- conversations about this before you got here, and I feel like there's no more better expert in the world than Tony Waller on this. So, I disagree. With all my answers. understanding is all the universe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because nobody knows this better than than, than you guys. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm talking. To, I'm talking to the right people about this. Um, Georgia is saying there's no tailgating on campus. That's correct. Because that's all they have the authority to be able to block. That's correct. Theoretically speaking, I've heard rumors of people who tailgate, say, just off of campus. Not on campus. It is – if the University of Georgia does not have – let's put morality or the right scientific thing to do because people are going to ignore that on a football game day. The question is – can you, if you are, say, 
off campus. If you are, if you're just off of campus and you just get there early enough to take a spot, right? It would seem to me if the University of Georgia, like what the University of Georgia is saying when you can't tailgate, is they're saying you can't go to one of the spots that they all kind of reserve. You cannot go to North Campus. You can't go to the Coliseum. You can't go to McFall. They're gonna cross off any possibilities other than the parking lots that you park at. And if you enter a parking lot, you have to have a ticket. Now, like you enter a parking lot in your car? Yes. Or, yeah. And but every, I could walk and, to one. And everyone in your car has to have a ticket. I understand yeah. that. but I'm not I, sure they're going to check every person in the car, but theoretically they could. But I'm and saying, that, if I, can I walk to the car? If I'm just like, if they're like, hey, hey, Will, we're they, over here, can I walk to the car? The set up in a way that parking attendants can see if someone parks and pulls a grill out or pulls a table out and starts putting stuff out. And at that point, if you get lucky, if you really want to break the rules, quote unquote, if a parking attendant is going to be like, you could slip a 50 to the parking attendant and say, <laughs> well, I think where this. you're more likely to see it is in the parking lot of the old bookstore at Baxter Hill across from Russell or at the corner right there or back over at um like uh tailgate station uh that's where you're going to see it or downtown it's safe to assume that if someone will has the opportunity to do so they will take it and i wouldn't necessarily have thought that two months ago i I wouldn't but but if you're going to bring fans in the stadium people are going to converge like people are going to converge yeah i mean they're going to be downtown Oh, like definitely they're, they're, they're going to be yeah. downtown. Yeah, it's going to happen. So the idea of um, people may adjust what they ordinarily do in tailgates, but the idea that somehow you can stop tailgating, you can stop it off campus, but if there's going to be games and there's going to be people with tickets to the games who can come, come uh, can stay in an Airbnb and walk to the game and not really care about any of that stuff, I like I guarantee you if I walk from my place in Five Points mm-hmm. to Sanford Stadium, yes. I will pass tailgates. There is I just don't see there's I don't yeah. see how that's but not. But once you get to Foley, you won't. That's or once you get to right, uh, engineering right, right, or right, right, Drekmeyer. Right. So and, and here's the thing: look, UGA can only control the part they can control, right? Um, well, and also the city and county can only control the part they can control. And the city and county will probably, uh, who probably what, come who down. And, but see, I think but they, even I if they, they do, it's a matter of enforcement. I think they will enforce it. Like, listen, they can probably give you a ticket for not wearing a mask the same way they can give you a ticket for not wearing a mask now, or not, or not endorsing, uh, not not social distancing. But the idea that like ten people around a car, sitting and having beers, yeah. It's a fair question, and right. I mean, I mean, the 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 first the first tailgate happened at Rutgers EL or whoever it was Rutgers played, right? Um, when when somebody pulled up a horse and carriage. I mean, that's just how it was. Anyway, um, sorry. I, it's just, I think it's something that we're going to want to keep an eye on yeah. out for this year, particularly as the season goes along. So, um, so Tennessee is here, and then Georgia goes for that eight o'clock kickoff on CBS in Alabama. Uh, Georgia Kentucky plays next week. I cannot tell you how bitter I am that Georgia Kentucky is during the horse racing season. After all these years of it, after the horse racing season, we get a week off. We play Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Missouri, Georgia, Mississippi State. That game's here. Then we go on the road to South Carolina, and then we have Vanderbilt here on December the 12th. Um, so we want to go through and pick winners and losers. Obviously, we're going to do that. Or did you want to just talk generally about the season and move on with our lives. I don't know if we, had, let's, we can do a uh, record prediction. 
I wonder if there's if there's value before we get into trivia to do a what this season means and what it generally like kind of stands for. Yeah, and I, I want. I mean, normally we pick playoff teams and yeah. and the major bowls. I'm, I'm not I'm not comfortable doing that right now, and, and I'll tell you the reason why. First off, we don't know if the Big Ten is going to be eligible. Uh, first off. Uh, they certainly hope they are. Uh, by the way, I, I kind of like what they're doing with their championship weekend. The same weekend they're playing the championship game, they're matching up the two worst teams and basically stacking them up. Definitely trying to avoid Illinois playing Rutgers twice this year. That's the goal. But I, I, look, I've long said, look, I have long said, if you take the Pac-12's worst team, SEC's worst team, put them in, in Las Vegas, I'd go. Wouldn't even think about it. I would just go to Las Vegas. I don't, I don't need a football game. But but I, I just think it's it's an interesting concept, right? Um, so I, I'm not comfortable picking playoff teams yet, um, especially especially after the Big Twelve with the way they looked last week. Um, by, by the way, Texas is back. I'm just saying. And um, but I, I like your I like how your rubric. I, I do. I wonder. Like again, we talked about losing to Florida if they fall behind Florida and what that means in the grand section of things. But, you know, I will say now that I'm, I'm wearing my Georgia starter jacket and feeling generally comfortable with football being back, I do think it's a good time to remind that, like, we really should just be very grateful that any of this is happening whatsoever. Uh, not only, obviously, through the pandemic, through everything, but just all the constant fights of, yeah. like, are you rooting against football? Why should they even be doing it? And all of these things have all come together. I generally, and I, I think that, that uh, the other sports coming back has helped me kind of come to terms with this and come to peace with it a little bit a little bit in that like I'm not entirely sure trying to mount a baseball season or a college football season or a whatever in the middle of a pandemic is the best idea. We are also surrounded by all sorts of things that are not the best ideas. And so the idea the the notion that uh uh, they should not do this out of some sort of like overarching general principle when literally no one is doing anything out of overarching overarching general principle strikes me as like this is ha- this is this is going to happen uh, we can argue uh, whether this is the best use of resources, we can argue whether this is entirely what the, in an idealized universe what would be happening. In an idealized universe, we'd be in a better situation right now, and maybe it would be a lot more easier to make this happen in the first place. So I feel like the best I can do is just like, you know what, there's going to be a football game. I'm going to watch it. Hopefully when George, I sit down to watch Georgia play, they win. I've made this knowledge before, but like this Cardinals baseball season, they're not – as good as I wanted them to be this year and I'm just not that mad about it like I'm just not that angry about it because like I'm happy to be able to watch the games things are are difficult for everyone across the board right now the idea uh, I'm going to have perspective enough uh, lose perspective enough to watch the games but I'm not going to have so much perspective I'll be like oh well I'm so mad at my team for not winning we should be grateful these games are happening and appreciate them uh, and remember that when, uh, when, when they lose a game we think they shouldn't yeah, and, uh, if they lose again, we well, I mean, a good illustration of how weird this year is going to be is last week I was watching I watched college football all day because you know I'm, I love college football. Campbell Camels, I wanted and that win bad. At one point, a Coke commercial came on, and people were greeting at the door, hugging, and I got misty eyed, and they were sitting on laps watching football, and I just like, and then they were like all gathered arm in arm on the balcony. I just was like emotionally overwrought at that. And it's, look, I, I look, I'm back on campus. I'm seeing students. 
both of us wearing masks. I have plastic glass on my desk. But as, a, as an extreme extrovert, my God, I miss that. I, I, and look, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard not to do tailgates this year. But I'm committed to not doing them because it's the smart thing to do, at least for me. And I'm, I'm Will, I'm the same place you were and have been. It's like, look, we, you know, we can, there's, it's, it's almost performative at the point where we're talking about, well, we shouldn't play or we should definitely play, right? And, and I'm not making that statement. Don't trust anyone that's certain of anything. It's, that's exactly right. Yeah, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. There, there's not. And, yeah. But the, the one thing I can be certain of is that I am going to be over, probably overwrought with emotion when Georgia tees up to kick, right? Because there were times in April and May and June, even July, where I thought like, we're just we're just not going to do this this year, yeah. right? And I'm with Will, um, and we had a whole lot of conversation uh, several hours ago. It seems like what happens if Georgia goes eight and two, or seven and three, right? I am. Um, I'll worry about that in in, in January and February. Um, I, I think there's context there to look at, and in the reason for the threes, the three losses, if that's where we are, are important. But I'm with Will on this. I'm just, God, I'm happy we're here. And it is crazy as it sounds like it. And I'm not happy people are sick. I'm not happy people have died. I'm not ha- Please do not take that away from it. I'm happy we're talking about football, sure. and it looks like it's going to happen. All right, let's just do trivia and then give our, our, uh, and then give our, pre- our record predictions at the end, and then we'll all, all right. We'll do this quickly. All right, and this is for all of y'all. No one well, that. when y'all are going about your day tomorrow, I'm going to be trying to figure out this edit. Yeah, this is going to be a bad – tomorrow's going to be a bad day for Scott because also my mic stopped working and so now it's all sorts of things. All right, so this is a Georgia SEC trivia that I'm thinking you don't know. So uh, all of y'all can answer this. Will's going to know. Uh, all right, so in 2019, how many SEC schools had a winning conference record? Um, winning. Let's see. Winning. Winning. There's 14 schools. How many had a winning record? Anybody can answer. I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm going to go with five. I think he's right. I think it's five. I'm going to, I think five might be right. Georgia seven and one, Florida six and two, Tennessee five and three, oh. LSU eight and oh, Bama six and two, Auburn five and three, A&M four and four. So six. Yeah. So, yeah, six and then Tennessee's one. Tennessee's the one I missed. All right, when was the last time a team not named Alabama, LSU, or Auburn won the SEC West? Not Alabama, Auburn, or LSU. Um, Going back to Arkansas in 2003. Is it that long? I think you got the school right, but but the... But they did it after that? The year was 2006. Florida won 38-28 to over Arkansas. And Houston Nut. So, wait a minute. Arkansas? Wow. 2006. Right. I knew they did. Yeah, okay. Is that Houston Nut or was Bobby Petrino there by then? I think Petrino's coach of the Falcons then. No, he he must have been at Louisville then. Okay. Out of the remaining SEC West teams not mentioned there, there's only one other that's made the SEC championship game. So, we've mentioned Arkansas, LSU, Bama, and Auburn. Mississippi State, Jack and Cheryl. That's correct. 1998, Mississippi State lost to Tennessee. Yeah, a close one. 24-14. Yeah. That game was close late in that game. Since uh, 1933, what current schools have won an SEC championship? Just at all. There's 
I mean, yeah. some of them are very okay. obvious. We're going to go. Everyone will go into an Alabama. Georgia. Crap, you took the two I was going to get. LSU. Yeah. Florida. Yes. Auburn. Tennessee. Yes, yes. I know two of them. I don't know the third. Ole Miss. That's correct. Kentucky. Yeah. That's correct. And the last one. Hold on. 1941. SEC champions. Are they current members? Yeah. Bandy. Nope. Da. Let's see. Kentucky. Now we're just naming schools. Yes. I mean, it's got to be Mississippi State. That's correct. I don't know why. It is. I don't it either. It was 1941. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, for the record, Bama's 127. Georgia's 113. Tennessee's 113. LSU's 112. Auburn, 8. Florida would be tied with Auburn, but they had to vacate their 1 in 84. So they've because seven. they cheat. Mississippi's won 6. Their last one was in 63. No. Kentucky won 2. Their last one was in 76. And Mississippi State in 41. And that'll do it for the trivia. Sweet. All right, let's just do our records, and then uh, we'll let everybody go home. All right. For Jordan, ten and zero. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna go ahead and say eight and two. I'm going with eight and two this year. Wow. It feels. uh, It's just a really, really weird year. I mean, to be honest, you know, I I feel like uh, someone asked me like what I think Illinois is gonna be this year, and I said three and four. (laughs) <laughs> which is to say that like games could get canceled and yeah. weird things are going to happen. So uh, I, I'm, I feel like the optimistic thing is saying that they'll they'll get to all ten. Uh, eight and two sounds right. Not because I think Georgia is a team that is weak enough to lose two games, which is also I feel obliged to remind is very very good. Uh, as much as once you throw Alabama on there, one that's I don't I, Georgia could win that game. But then you're asking everything to be perfect uh, the rest of the way, and it just feels like a year where nothing is going to be perfect. I think Georgia could be 8-2 and two and still play in the SEC championship game. Uh, really? I, I just think it's going to be a weird year. I think that like a lot of your traditional structures of things, I just feel like it, it, anything could go this year. You're going to see weird lo- – I feel like you may see multiple Georgia losing at home to South Carolina-type games. This year would probably be the best way to put it. So I'm saying eight and two, but I don't necessarily think that precludes them from making the SEC championship game. Interesting. Are we gonna let our we're gonna let our guest? He'll go, go last. last. Okay. No. Why does uh, he? No, Tony goes last. I, Tony, I, I don't care. I don't care if I go last. Tony I'm just making sure I didn't talk in front of him. That's Tony always goes last. All right, fine. All right. Uh, Georgia goes eight and one. Uh, loses to Alabama. The Vanderbilt game gets called off because it's in. Uh, December and it's a running at that clock. point the Commodores just it's a bag it. Uh, <laughs> Georgia then wins the SEC championship, beating Alabama, and makes the playoff. Loses to Clemson in the first round, and I get what? Is there? Sorry, Trevor Lawrence is, is Ohio State really? in the playoff. You think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the playoff is Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. I'm sorry, I'm boring. That's not boring. That sounds uh, awesome. You've, you've overlooked my Luke Ford rematch uh, prediction <laughs> that I'm waiting to happen. But uh, hey, maybe there'll be a crazy bowl game matchup with you know four and six Illinois or four three and four Illinois versus you know eight and two Georgia. That would be very weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> gone really bad if Georgia played Illinois in the bowl. I know. I know. I just I'm just saying. This has always been my great joke, right? That like if Illinois ever plays Georgia in any sort of bowl game, things have gone incredible for Illinois. And things have fallen apart Ex- for Georgia. Extend Lovey and Fire Kirby. Um, Scott. 
Sorry, you said ten and zero without even thinking. Sorry, which I respect. Um, I, I, I am, I am not because I am an optimist. I stupidly am going to say that Georgia plays all their games. I, I think they're nine and one. Um, if you look at the schedule they have, although I'm a little bit compelled by by Seth talking about. Um, I'm a little bit compelled about South talking about uh, a game getting canceled. Um, as long as that game is not Alabama, Georgia probably loses one. Um, I, I'm unwilling to say they can win the SEC right now, uh, but it uh, it's certainly on the table. I mean, this season, before the Big Ten got in, it, it, it I think it made it a little easier for for Georgia as, as a second SEC team or Alabama's second SEC team to to make the playoff. Um, and we have an entire podcast worth of stuff to talk about whether a six and one Ohio State gets in over a nine and one Georgia. Um, but I'm, I'm not willing to engage in that conversation right now. Ooh, what a nightmare conversation! That oh be god, right. yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it, that in December. Um, but I, I just think nine and one feels like where we are. Ten and zero wouldn't surprise me. Anything less than eight and two is going to bum me. All right. Well, hey, uh, thank you by the way to Seth Emerson, author of Attack the Day. Kirby signing Clark. your book right signing now. Signing your book right now, yeah. Speak as we speak. Uh, 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 attack the day. Yeah. Uh, yad the ah. It's, uh, it's sorry, the same thing. upside down. A- thank you, Seth. Uh, thank you, Seth, for coming. I know we took you, brought you later than you were probably suspecting, but hopefully it was well worth it. And hopefully, uh, the, make sure it's worth it for him, everybody, by buying his book, Attack the Day, wherever you get, because it is nothing but good stuff in there. Yep, Seth, and don't forget uh, Fun Office Pools. Sorry. Oh, yeah, it's Fun We're Office Pools. We're not going to pick games this week. We will do uh, – I do have games this week. Uh, we are going to do all the SEC games. I'll throw in some other games of interest. Uh, join at Fun Office Pools. If you don't know, hit me up on Twitter. I'll make sure we'll you a get a link. Yep, yep. absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Thank you again. Seth, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Always a good discussion and nice to do it in person. Yeah, man. All right. Everyone, otherwise, uh, we'll see you next week to preview an actual football game. Hey, as we uh, say at the end of every podcast, what is it? I forget. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thanks so much for listening. Tony, Will, and I really appreciate Seth sitting in with us for not one, but two shows. Oh, and go buy his book, of course. I've linked it in the show notes of this episode. Stay tuned for a special episode coming out this weekend. I've interviewed quite a few people, former players, videographers, and even graphic designers to provide their perspective on the new Georgia throwback uniforms that were released this week. I'm pretty excited about releasing the episode. So subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. That way you can keep up with the content that's about to come your way fast and furious, including the uniform talk and then, of course, the preview shows and the post-game shows. Anyway, follow us on Twitter at WSLS Podcast, and we'll see you on campus on October 3rd as Georgia plays host to Auburn under the lights at Sanford Stadium. Have a great weekend, and as always, go dogs. Go dogs.